If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 475, the final IGN Unlocked episode here of 2020. And uh, sending us out in style is none other than Tim Schaefer, one of the newer Microsoft employees uh, here at Double Fine Studios, just down the way uh, from what used to be when we had offices. They were just down the way <laughs> from us. And now who knows? But Tim Schaefer, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. I got to pause for applause. This is where everyone's going to clap, right? Great. And they've it's clapped. nice to be Excellent. introduced as someone new. I feel so old these days. Like, yeah, no, you're yes. the new guy. You're the new Fresh guy at, fellow. at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, were you hazed at all at uh, at the first like sort of team dinner of all the of all the uh, new studio heads? Yeah, did like Brian Fargo put any sort of salt in my uh, dessert? No, I will. <laughs> Not that I know yet. The real hazing is oh, it's coming. My cats are coming to haze me. This is another rest. There's another kitten that's going to ruin this interview. Sorry. Oh, here we so, go. No, they're enhancing it. The viewership is going up. Yeah, More cat bus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the internet and cats. It's, it's the money in the bank. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, I do feel like the new kid's still there, but. Um, as soon as we ship our first game, I th- that's that's the rite of passage, right? That's, yes. You shipped a game now, and now you're one of the. You get the little blazer. There's probably some green blazer that we'll put on, and that we're yeah, in like, the club, like at the Masters when you win the Masters yeah, golf tournament. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so a little, you know, a little background on Tim. If I mean, you, I'm sure our audience knows Tim Schaefer, but Tim, you you worked at, uh, you came up at Lucas Arts as a designer there mm-hmm. on the classic point and click adventure games. Just so many. The 90s. Of them. Uh, the, the, the glory days of adventure games. You founded Double Fine in 2000, striking out on your own. And so you guys have just celebrated your 20th anniversary as a studio, which is which is no small feat in in really any line of work, but particularly video games. I mean, studios come and go and these things happen and you guys are soldiering on stronger than ever after 20 years. Uh, your yeah. resume includes the game behind me, Full Throttle, uh, which is my oh, favorite nice. of your games. Grim Fandango, which is probably the most critically acclaimed of your games. 
Brutal Legend, uh, probably one of the maybe the cult classic of your of of the games you've made. Broken Age, uh, which was uh, sort of a revolutionary game in, in terms of how you guys developed it, and you pay you, you filmed the entire development process, you crowdfunded the whole thing. It was a, that was a heck of a thing, and then uh, of course you know back in the LucasArts days, Monkey Island. Day of the Tentacle. Uh, I mentioned Full Throttle and Grim Fandango. It's and Microsoft acquired you guys in 2019, a little over a year ago. So, mm-hmm. um, what I wanted to start with you because uh, you and I have talked. Well, we talked Full Throttle earlier this year for that game's 25th anniversary. Oh my god! Uh, but I haven't had a chance to really talk to you about just now about the present day of of how Double Fine is doing and what you guys are up to and Psychonauts 2. I wanted to start with the Microsoft acquisition. I mean, I kind of we kind of uh, jokingly talked about it at the top there, but can you walk me through that? I mean, I, I watched your uh, your fellowship <laughs> video again this morning <laughs> that you made, which of course w- went into extreme graphic detail of how the acquisition came about. Uh, you mean the and, one that's like a thirty seconds long? That one, <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Where they offered us a, a bunch of money yes. and we thought about it and then said yes. <laughs> said yes, yeah. yeah. But I, I wanted to get the longer than thirty second ver- version uh-huh. from you here. I mean, yeah, yeah. in all seriousness, you know, you've been an independent studio for for nineteen years at that point. What what was that process? I mean, I'm I'm just kind of curious how it comes about. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you start talking to them? Uh, like, it, it, do they come to you? I'm just sort of curious where how these things happen. Yeah. Um, well, when two companies really love each other very much, they, they share a financial hug. No, we um, you know, there's there's kind of long term needs and short term acute needs of the company, and you know, long term, you know, we've always wrestled with you know, you know, the struggle to fund the company like all the time always beating the bushes looking for money but we kind of used to that you know that's what we've been doing for 20 years and you know we got good at it um and but then um in the short term you know making psychonauts is very demanding and had a really big uh it had a lot of ups and downs and we you know we, we crowdfunded it in the beginning just like broken age and then we had a publisher and the publisher um had ups and downs and so there was there's a little bit of a lot of risk going on and it didn't look like um we were going to have to cut some stuff to finish the game and and, and to make it a good quality game that, that we wanted to make. And Psychonauts is a really special um, world to us. You know, Raz and the Psychonauts is like what well, started our company. That's We care so much about this. You know, we had to make a good game. And um, it seemed that, you know, we, we, we wanted to make sure we could do a good version of it, which meant uh, some more money. And we went um, looking for that. And um, we said, hey, can we have some more money? And Microsoft said, okay, but here's what we want. And we're like okay you know and and, um and but really i think we wouldn't have come to that it took a lot for me to sell the company obviously being independent for 20 years um you're you have a certain desire to be independent but it also seemed like um we were ready for that change and ready to to do things at a different level that we could do with the support of microsoft and also um things are changing in terms of um subscriptions and and the way the market has changed the way the way people play get their games and play them and uh it seemed like uh to go through this tumultuous time which was turned out to be much more tumultuous than we even anticipated way back in 2019 um (laughs) it would be a a a great place to it'd be great to have a a good big solid partner like microsoft on our side so um it turned out to be great because i can't imagine what it'd be like to go through this year you know as a you know in the old situation so I'm really happy to be here. And it really means that they've been really supportive about saying, 
yes, second left has got to be a great game. So um, do what you need to do to make it good. So is that how it started then? You were you were sort of on the because I mean, I know you you're being diplomatic and don't want to get into it. But the, the publisher that you had uh, been in agreement with to publish Psychonauts appeared in some very strange headlines that you don't normally see video game publishers show up in. Uh, so I can't imagine what that was like for you. I don't know if you're finding out about that stuff ahead of time or when everybody else does, but I mean, it's gotta be scary when, when the suddenly the, the your publisher is their Their not only future, but present is very uncertain. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not the first time for us. I mean, we've had, you know, you, we, uh, you know, making games in an independent way means just be really creative about where you get your financing and making partnerships, you know, ideally with certain people, but out of necessity, you, you pick other. And, and they, um, that company was really great to us. Like they didn't do anything unethical with us and they were always yeah. very supportive. And so I have no, no complaints about, about that. Um, but we, you definitely find yourself having to stay nimble constantly, which means, oh, publisher's gone. Like, let's figure out something else, you know, and, yeah. and we, you know, not panic about that kind of thing and still focus on the game, like we gotta focus on the game and then also build the track in front of the train that's uh, going very fast. So so is that then how how the Microsoft deal came about is were were you talking to Microsoft about, hey, can you guys help us pick up the slack, maybe, you know, fin- finish the game and then it turned into, well, how about a, how about we just make this a permanent thing? Well, yes, and also not just not just we need money to quickly f- to finish Psychonauts, but as a company, if we got um, if we got some investment support, we could um, we could uh, invest in making games and have more time to do things like R and D, you know, and because usually when you're doing stuff independent, you get just enough to make the game you're working on, and then right. you have you know you maybe go over that, and you you you're just you know living from check to check. You don't have a lot of time to pause and think and like let's do because we like to do game jams like Amnesia Fortnite. And we always find the money for that, but that costs a bunch of money. To, it's a two-week game jam where we just um, riff on new ideas and make little uh, games in two weeks. And we'd like to do more of that, and that that costs money, and it's hard to yeah. do when you're working off of publishing deals. So if we got investment, we could we could we could do some deep dives into our creative, uh, you know, parts of our minds, and actually R and D some new projects. And so we were looking for. Um, a major investment from a partner and that's what led us there and it also and finishing psychons is one of those needs is, is there a small amount of poetic justice maybe even a large amount of poetic justice and the fact that that microsoft was the original publisher of psychonauts one and then dropped it <laughs> and now they weren't the original publisher of psychonauts two but they picked it up and will and will help you finish it yeah, I don't want to, of course, speak for them, but obviously they realized what a horrible mistake they had made. And they and we, you know, said, we'll help you just pretend that never happened. You missed finishing Psychonauts 1, so you can come in and finish Psychonauts 2. So, no, I mean, we've had a really fun, really funny relationship with Microsoft because they started Double Fine by signing that that um, that deal for Psychonauts yeah. 1. But, you know, after that happened, it wasn't like... Um, we lost touch with them. I mean, we, right. we still made, you know, Iron Brigade with them and Once Upon a Monster um, with them and Connect Party. And like, you know, we worked with them on and off for years and always maintained a relationship. So it's kind of like a company that's been in the orbit of Double Fine. Well, we were probably in the orbit of them, but I mean, like, you know, throughout our history. I mean, you were really honest after, after the acquisition and that you said that you were 
thrilled that you no longer have to spend your time hustling for the next project, which you mentioned a minute ago. So how has life as a, as a Microsoft employee affected your work life personally as, and creatively as the head of the studio who no longer has to spend oh. brain power on hustling for, for the next investment? Mm-hmm. It just, it's so great because I just think about Psychonauts all day long. Like that's such a crazy luxury now for me, it seems, because, you know, we, I used to have to split my time up. I would be traveling. I'd be flying from place to place, you know, strategizing on who we're going to talk to next, giving the, you know, preparing a deck, giving a presentation, you know, and going and just, you know, shaking every tree, to put it in Animal Crossing terms, um, trying to find a, a bag of uh, not wasps. Um, so, yeah, just tons of time. Uh, doing that and uh, it, you know we got good at it but it is you know when I really think about like why do I have this job why do I get up every morning it's to make games not to go make business you know not to go give decks and presentations and stuff I mean I'm excited about our games and I like talking about them but I um, I like being able to just think about psychonauts all day long now was it did it get exhausting of just that the constant pitching and the constant fretting over over the financial side and keeping the studio open i mean yeah in a very low level like constant way because there wasn't you know it was many years of doing that and so we got we got you know, a rhythm to it but um it you know you you have to i think be philosophical about these things when you uh, when you reach my advanced age <laughs> you know you gotta you gotta think about like it's easy to um slide into doing things with your life that uh, are distracting, you know, or they, cause you have to do them, you know? And I think it takes a lot of effort to f- keep focusing on what do I love to do? I like to make games, I like to write dialogue, I like to design, I like to work and collaborate with a team. And like, I gotta keep pushing so that that's what, what I'm doing every day instead of, um, you know, pitching and, and doing, and doing business. How has, uh, how has work life changed for you since the acquisition besides the current work <laughs> from home situation? Um, well, I, Oh, this, uh, we got cats, which has been a little distracting as they they're threatening to come sabotage my camera. You stay there. <laughs> um, uh, work life has been, like I said, focusing on the team, focusing on the project. And um, and it, it, it's hard in some ways to see what it will be like in the long term, because right now it's just it's all psychonauts all the time because we want to yeah. finish this game. And that's, you know, making sure no one's waiting on writing for me and um uh, it's been so overshadowed, of course, by doing all of our work via conference, like we're doing, I mean, video, video conferencing like we're doing right now. Um, so it's hard to separate those two things, but I think um, we'll know the, in the fullness, like next year, we'll know what it's really like when we can actually hang out in the office and fly places, all these weird exotic concepts. Now, you mentioned uh, Amnesia, Amnesia Fortnite earlier, pardon me, and, and Double Fine had really, uh, by design, moved away from from larger scale full studio uh financially i guess with all due respect riskier projects uh in terms of you know if if this doesn't do well we're all in in trouble uh that was after brutal legend and and in the years since then you guys have released a, a lot of just wonderful smaller games over the past decade i mean you mentioned a few of them i mean stacking is another one of my favorite mm-hmm. from that was the best yeah, exactly. Which has turned into an awesome cartoon now, an animated yeah. series. Mm-hmm. Um, so, will will the acquisition now allow you to focus the whole studio on one big project moving forward? Is or or will you kind of continue to? Is Psychonauts a bit of an exception, and you'll kind of continue to just have 
multiple smaller teams doing smaller projects. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like we do uh, all different kinds of things because we do. And we do, there's no one rule for what a Psychonauts game is. Is it big? Is it small? Is it funny or serious? Um, but I would say the thing that's consistent over all those uh, games and years is that we're an inspiration-driven company, you know, creatively-driven company. So if we get an idea, if it just suddenly, you know, gets a hold of us, like, you got to make a big game. Like, that's probably, you know, that's what happened with Psychonauts. Like, I got this itch after Broken Age. like, I want to make a big 3D world. I haven't made a big 3D world in a long time. And, you know, before Broken Age, it's like, I want to make an adventure game. Uh, so, um, and the team has these ideas, too. So that's what our, our game jams are about, are about bringing those ideas out for the whole team. So, um it's impossible to predict the future because it is based on what what great ideas we have. But we're really yeah. fortunate to be able to pursue those. You know, that's where I think the best games from is a labor of love that someone got an idea and that we are lucky enough with uh, Xbox's help to pursue it to its um, fullest version. And now, I mean, you kind of you mentioned uh, the changing game consumption model, and like I, you were really alluding to Xbox Game Pass, I think, and mm -hmm. and it seems like you guys are a great fit for that, where you're making these creatively inspired things that that are perfect as games that, that fit into that discoverability model of mm -hmm. of Game Pass where, you know, it's versus the traditional model. Someone's much more likely to go, oh, that hmm, that seems kind of interesting. I'm just going to download that and check that out. Is it mm -hmm. like, are you guys sort of exceptionally excited about about the Game Pass proposition of being part of Microsoft? Yeah, definitely. I felt like that was the thing that really clinched it for me it was like i see our home on game pass because a lot of our games you know we try on purpose to make games that people don't know what they are right at first glance like you know like they sh if you look at a game for delphine and you're instantly comfortable with like i know what that's going to be like we have i feel like we haven't done our, our job right which it makes it hard in some ways to 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 reach certain people but when the barrier is so low because you already have game pass you see all these games so we already have four games up there now we already have the three remasters and um uh, our friends at uh, Foam Sword, uh, we helped with uh, Knights and Bikes. And so there's like already a bunch of games up there from Double Fun, Double M Presents. And um, uh, it just, that feels great because uh, people can, you know, people who've never heard of Full Throttle can just see that, see Ben on his bike and be like, what is that? Well, John, check that out. And um, and be really open to it. Cause I, uh, I think you know, all these games have had such a long life, like, you know, throttle from 95, you know, yeah. and still reach new people in that way too. And then we put out new ideas. We can, I feel like take more chances and do things that seem even stranger, but if someone's compelled to just like, ah, oh, it's worth a download, then, uh, then find it. And then hopefully be more interested in our next game. And, uh, and, and they should download it. If they see an interesting dude on a, on a dystopian futuristic motorcycle, they should absolutely download it. You know, kind of on that note, do, do you have a favorite game of yours from, from your career? Cause you know, your, your resume is so long and decorated at this point. Like, is there, is there one that stands out where for whatever reason it's, it's like your favorite game that you've made? It's really hard. I mean, I because they, they all do something really different, you know, like um, uh, Full Throttle is really where I was really inspired by like a screenwriting class I took to be the, really cinematic. And I felt like we really pushed that aspect of it. But, you know, Grim Fandango had this amazing group of artists and musicians and people and actors coming together. And it was so amazing to work with that group. And, you know, Brutal Legend was such a personal fantasy because like it, it's like all these little things that have been floating around my head since I was a teenager listening to heavy metal, like I put into a game and Psychonauts is just, um, 
just the it's so important to the company and our identity and who we are and love those characters. Um, one I often point to is my favorite though is um, Happy Action Theater or Connect Party, which is this Connect game that we made, probably the 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 least known of all of them. I but, remember it. Yeah. Yeah, people. Um, people playing that game are so happy. Like, it's like, you know, you play, like, the face of someone playing an adventure game is usually, like, like, <laughs> focus, concentration, you know. Um, you watch someone play uh, Connect Party, they're just jumping around, and they jump like, little kids and grandparents and the family dog. Everyone can just jump around and be on screen, like, interact with that game, and it's just, um, it's just such a, it's a fun thing to see something that you and the team made, like, bringing so much happiness to people. Does, uh, so do you, do you keep uh, an original Xbox One, uh, or I guess was yeah. that still three? It was that was Xbox One. No, I still have a birthday 360 in my living room. So you keep every one time, around. Yeah, yeah. Every birthday party my daughter's ever had, I turn that thing on, and it takes over the party. Like all the kids end up in that room, smashing buildings and marching through lava. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh man, that's great. Um, so I gotta ask, what now that you're in the Microsoft family? You, I mean, you are a you, you know you're creatively inspired group of developers, but what is is there an IP in the Microsoft portfolio that that you would want to play with? Is there is there something in there that you'd be like, I'd like to make a game in that world? I mean, it's interesting to think about, but I feel like that wouldn't be the best use of Double Fine because I think our whole thing is making stuff up. Like we like that because we've been getting a lot of Twitter um, response. People are like somehow got in their heads that we should do uh, like a Panja Kazooie game. Yeah, I think and that's, I'm like, that's you know, my fault. Is that you that started that, that Brian? Yeah, we got to talk. Me. Uh, Why bad, should Double Fine make Banjo Kazooie? <laughs> you know, have you heard of a company called Rare? Because I think they're still around. They're well, still, they're doing this. They're they're busy though. They're busy with Sea of Thieves and Everwild, and and you guys would be a. Uh, I think you guys could have a great take on that. We're busy too. We are busy. Too. <laughs> I know. I think it's fun to think about. I think it's nice <laughs> that people think about us when they think about that game because I think it's definitely you know inspiring, and I think it. I, you know, I really like that game. And if they think of um, Double Fine, when they think of brightly colored uh, platformers that are a joy to experience, then that's great they think of us. But we also like to, we're going to make up, you know, I, we'll make up something new that people like just as much. Uh, that's fair. No, it's totally fair. I, <laughs> and and, and that, so on that, we'll segue to Psychonauts 2, which is why you're here. You're not here for your health. You don't come here for fun. You've got a game to promote. It is fun. Always fun. <laughs> Hopefully I make it a little fun. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, but yeah, Psychonauts 2, I mean, I'm curious, you know, you alluded to this earlier in the interview. I'm, I'm curious, how has Psychonauts 2 changed over the course of development compared to other projects you've worked on? In the sense, I mean, every game, I'm not a developer, but I mean, thanks to you guys, I've, <laughs> you filming everything, I've seen how a bit of that peek behind the curtain and how development goes. But, you know, the, the I'm, what I'm getting at is, as you mentioned earlier, it started out as a crowdfunded thing and uh-huh. now you've got this like full financial backing of of a first party game publisher. So I'm, I'm curious how Psychonauts 2 has changed and evolved on the against the backdrop of of that sort of, uh, you know, financial and business side of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's strikingly consistent as far as the overall design and the story of it, because some of the story ideas have been around since Psychonauts 1. Like some of them were seated in Psychonauts 1. We've been, you know, starting this, um, you know, foreshadowing these, the story things that I thought I would get to um, eventually. And so um, the fact that this is now paying off, there's something that happens at the end of Psychonauts 2 that, like I set up, you know, 
years and years ago <laughs> and um it's it's finally it's finally paying off so in that way it's been you know we've, having that goal in mind has kept it very um very similar it's gone through a lot but by definition second house game goes through a lot of um turnover in back to the drawing board type situations because it's not like you know what you're making before you start like it's not like you have a level where this is the airfield we're gonna do the assault in the airfield and this is the, the oh that looks like an airfield okay let's move on and like usually it's like okay this is a world inside the mind of uh, a person with this kind of uh, thing going on in their head how do we capture that and we do is this something people have seen in the game before is this new and fresh and you look at it you're like no this is wrong throw it all out start over again and that's why they take so much time because of these you know they're not they're just handcrafted uh every level an individual thing but they're often something you know they're reaching for something really new that hasn't doesn't seem like a game you've played before and so um just like the first game like it took a long time to find the levels you know to find where the levels were and now i feel really good about where they all ended up and now we just have to wrap it up so yeah on that note kind of what is the state of psychonauts 2 at the moment i mean this you guys i don't think you've ever actually given any sort of concrete release window but i know if uh, prior to the pandemic, I kind of I figured based on following, you know, I, I think I was a, I'm sure I was an original an original fig backer uh, oh, well, of, back, of right. the project. <laughs> and I, I kind of thought that, oh, 2020 was going to be the year for Psychonauts 2. And, and certainly uh, 2020 has had other plans for all of us. But yeah, but kind of where where are you guys? Where are things at? I'm not you know, I'm not trying to go to you for a release date because I know, you know, that's that's yeah. uh, not a thing that uh, you're going to give. But but just kind of where is the game right now? Um, yeah, I mean, 2020 definitely did not help speed up development of uh, Psychonauts, but we um, we are mostly have everything now in the game. Like, if you worked in game development, the fact that I can say that we're starting to work on the end credits, like I think, kind of shows you where we're at. You know, if you if you, or at least for us, like by the time we're working on end credits, means we pretty much um, are uh, closing in on, on on finishing the game. But uh, we're mostly moving on to. Um, uh, polishing stuff that's in the game already and uh, it's kind of interesting i've become a streamer uh, within double fine um in that mm -hmm. i uh play the game like three times a week i'll play the game and i'll start like a zoom call and i'll share my screen and everyone in the company who wants to can just pop in and watch me play and hear me talk about stuff and we record the whole thing and then we take notes on the whole thing and it turns into po polish tasks for people i'll be like i don't like how this thing is moving and um it's really funny because, you know, I feel like I should say like, share and subscribe at the end of every video because I'm now streaming for the company. Ring that bell. It's like the one upside of this, the way we're working these days, because I think in previously in the office at this point in development, I'd be like in the, our big conference room, okay, I'm going to play the game. If anyone wants to come watch, I'll play the game. And like our lead designer would show up or, you know, our director might come, you know, lead programmer might come watch and look for bugs and stuff. But most people would be like, I gotta, I'm, I'm working at my desk. And now we're doing it over you know, video conferencing, people can like have it on the background while they're working or, or just chime in. And it's kind of, uh, it creates, if, you know, in a big, in a big game, sometimes it's hard for the team to really sense what the game is because they're working on one little part of it for years, right. you know, and they are longer and seeing it all together. How does the story arc go from beginning to end? How do all these systems work over time? It's, it's kind of hard to kind of comprehend the game as a whole. And so people, the whole team watching me play it uh, and then, you know, eventually playing it themselves, of course. Um, helps with that. And it also helps feeling together. Like we're all looking for ways to feel that togetherness we felt for free when we just all work in the office together. Um, so it kind of helps us stay together and look at, you know, getting to like, oh, there's a new cutscene in and it's really great. A new animation, a new effect goes in and it makes us all laugh or we all like it. It's just having those moments of, of enjoying our game together. It's been really um, rewarding.
So has that been a bit of a silver lining where where the I mean, do you think the game will end up kind of more polished now than it might have if you'd all been in person since everybody's been watching your streams? Possibly. I've, yeah, I've never <laughs> taken the step before, like recording me playing the game and giving like minute feedback to everything. So, yeah, no, that's cool. Um, what how has the how has the work from home been for you and for your team? Like is um, you mentioned, understandably, that it's it hasn't sped anything up. Uh, understandably slow that so that it slowed things down but but have uh like are are you doing okay is like your is your team uh able to like are they are they kind of mentally and physically doing okay i mean it's it's got to be i imagine you may not have to worry about the sort of financial side of double fine as much anymore but i imagine you've you've kind of uh had to go into like pop a bear mode and and really you know be extra extra wary of of how your team is doing yeah i mean it's really a there are a bunch of individuals so everyone's handling it differently and some people are just like it's this is how i've always been meant to work i'm just home alone i wish i always wanted to be home alone all day and now i'm doing it and, and other people you know people who have kids have special challenges because their kids are there and like how are they going to divvy up that work and some people live alone and like they don't like that loneliness and um so we're all looking for ways to stay in touch and so we have you know some video rooms that are just open all day where people can come in and hang out with each other you know whether or a tea time or a coffee break you know and or a social hour after work and um and 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 also trying to extend you know benefits to people like meals and childcare or whatever trying to help out you know making sure we can help out everyone's you know the practical things like their computer setup their chair their ergonomics their um, internet you know we got to take care of all this stuff now to keep people you know working and comfortable and happy and uh, especially as you're shipping a game which is often the most stressful time but well, the team has know, been really oh, uh, resilient and miraculous like they they all have a commitment to each other you know and so they're really coming together and it's been a long project so i think everyone's excited about uh finishing it and seeing it become real but also misses each other and wants to hang out with each other and so everyone's really fighting to kind of stay connected well yeah on on the note of of coming to the finish line um you know crunch is always a, a big topic certainly more than ever i mean it, making video games is exceptionally difficult and and i say that just respectfully i haven't i haven't done it myself you've done it many times uh has has the has the microsoft uh, acquisition allowed you guys to have a more sort of metered smooth schedule and and not have to just finish by a deadline before the money runs out definitely i mean i think uh having the support of microsoft means we can um make real our promise to not have crunch like we promised the team not to have crunch mode and this is something that i really believe in because i've been a perpetrator of crunch mode like um, uh, Grim Fandango and Psychonauts, two, Psychonauts One had the worst crunch modes of any games I've ever been involved in. And I was, and it wasn't that I was uh, really liked crunch mode. I just was so focused, like, hey, it has to be good. I don't want to talk about anything else. Don't you know? <laughs> you got to work, 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 and get until the game is great. And I still feel that way, but um, and maybe it's because a lot of us in the industry have just got tired of that, or we uh, you know got older, we had kids, and we, you know, it was easier when I was, you know. But anyway, it was easier when I was younger, but uh, it was we're still wrong. And um, you don't get the best work out of people anyway. It's not really it's not really great in any way. The crunch mode is glorified, but it's really garbage. So um, but that, you know, you can say you don't do crunch mode, but then you have this choice of like, well, here's the deadline and here's the quality of the game. 
and you can't turn any of those things down. So it's, oh, there's this one knob, which is the quality of life of the team. Like it's, <laughs> and there's no lock on that one. Let's, well, let's just turn that one. It's very tempting to like crank that one down or your own life. Just as a, you know, even if you're an indie game developer and you're all by yourself, you're like, well, I'll just work all the time and just, I don't, I don't, I don't need to have a no life. Um, and so that's when it's really tested now at the end. And if we had the fixed, you know, the limited funds that we had when our publisher was, you know, being arrested and all those things, whatever. <laughs> we would have been forced to really um, either uh, crunch the team or hack away at the game until it was unrecognizable or um, not polished at all. You know, so um, we're really lucky that we we can now, you know, make the game correctly and and good for everybody. Before, I mean, without crunching the team, I mentioned that, yeah, without it. With studio acquisitions or big big publishers acquiring studios, that's always I mean that's been a, a a hot topic among among gamers on the player side for many years of you know, oh what's going to happen to this this beloved developer when they're acquired by this monolithic publisher um, now and and Microsoft has been guilty of that in in really the not too distant past but. But certainly the, you know, this current era of the what, however many, it's over a dozen studio acquisitions now, including you guys. When when you do start sitting down and, and you're talking to Microsoft about as this possibility becomes more real, do you talk to, I mean, to the, the Fergus Urquarts, the, the Brian Fargos, you know, do you talk to uh -huh. the other studio, the other people who've been acquired, uh, their companies have been acquired? Like, do you do you kind of take a temperature and see uh, what other people think of their post uh -huh. post experience after being acquired by Microsoft. Oh, I, I, I called them all up. <laughs> I called them, you know, yeah. uh, the ones I know, and, you know, the um, people at Ninja Theory and all, all those companies be like, they're saying they're going to let us keep our old culture and just let us make the kind of games we want to make. Is that, is it real? That's going to be true. And they're like, no, that's, that's what they're doing. So, and um, we've been with them a year now and I feel like it, it is true. And, and, um, and they're they're you know helping us ship this game the way we want. They're not coming in and being like, well, here's what we think Psychonauts should be. You know, they haven't done anything like that at all. So, um, so they've lived up to that promise, and I see why it makes sense. I think it's really smart to like, get a bunch of diverse studios together and let them be themselves and fill that um, fill that channel with just diverse, great games. Makes sense. Well, uh, they are so smart to buy us. That's what I'm saying. What a genius! <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the investing. The investment's already paying off for them. It's uh, just it's, yeah. It's one game. It's going to be. It's Psychonauts two. Here we go. Um, that's a, they'll, they'll be our fifth game on there. Like remember? That's true. Throttle. Don't forget about Full Throttle. Don't forget. Right there. Full Throttle. Everybody should play the the the, the trilogy. Your your remaster trilogy is wow. uh, is on Game Pass right now, it's as you Game mentioned. <laughs> Day of the Tentacle remastered, Full Throttle remastered, and Grim Fandango remastered. Uh, you know, you probably, I'm sure, given reports of the metrics on that, like, do you feel like those games have a renewed life now that they're just, they're not only on a, you know, yes, they've been on PC and then PlayStation 4, but now another new platform with Xbox and Game Pass. Have, have those three found a, a new life now based on what you're, you know, what reports you get from Microsoft and what you see in the community and what, what feedback you get about people playing them maybe for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I definitely see more people streaming them and talking about them on Twitter. And, um, and that's, that's super exciting. And it was fun for me to get, you know, I got my new, um, shiny Xbox 
uh, and plugged it in, and I was able to download almost every game ever made. Like they're all out there. Some of them I bought previously, and like yeah, I don't think you could still buy, but I was able to download all you know costume quests and and um, the special edition of Monkey Island was up there. Like every single thing that is in some version of the store. And Iron Brigade is in the Games with Gold. Um, if you bought that in Games with Gold, I mean I've got to be careful what I say now because I've you know I bought a lot of stuff at the time, and maybe some of that's uh, in a different. I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> everything it was it was exciting. Part, right? As far as back catalog goes, it was great to see that if um, there's a, a wealth of Double Fine uh, and LucasArts history up on the Xbox Store. Well, on that note, uh, is there? Could you convince Disney uh, and Microsoft to let you do a, a special edition or remaster of The Curse of Monkey Island? I don't know if you know. I know <laughs> Ron Gilbert. You know, I didn't work on that one. I don't this know if another Banjo Kazooie be for on you. Board, but maybe Rare could do it. <laughs> <laughs> are the, are you done with like is that stuff is that sort of chapter done for you you think the kind of bringing back uh your, some of your your previous titles to have them historically preserved and brought to new audiences like is that chapter closed and it's now that you know you've got microsoft's uh support is it is it all going to be new stuff from you guys from here on out? definitely uh very inspired right now to make us something new from scratch because starting with broken age i was looking back in a way to do adventure game and then the remasters and now we're doing a sequel which is gonna be great but um it'd be great to make up something brand new that would probably be the next thing we do but if it you know these things kind of come together like they have to be you know we talk about these companies like they're companies xbox and, and disney and stuff but they're really people and there's people in those companies who are interested in different things and there were people at all these companies at one point who were like let's start these remasters and that's kind of why they happened and yeah um and uh those pe people move around and if those kind of stars align again where there's people on all sides that want to make it happen uh we wouldn't say no i mean i, I just like helping it uh, helping it happen like you know with some of the games because we did all the games that i i worked on yeah. um, mostly and um i would i would love helping out if the other original creators are interested and if all the companies were interested in helping that process come about, because it was about not just preserving the old game, but preserving the memories of the teams, you know, the commentary of the teams and finding out, you know, who they were at the time they made these games and how that affected what the games are. And, um, and really building a, um, a revisiting of the, of the project in a big way and finding all the concept art and, and getting the, you know, original voice and, and music recordings off the tapes before they crumble. You know, that's the stage we're at, like all the, right. you know, trying to find a SCSI drive so you can get that uh, uncompressed, <laughs> you know, music. And um, so it's a, it's a rewarding thing to do like film preservation or something. It's like rescuing these old, old games and then um, adding cool uh, lighting effects to Manny's cigarette stuff like that. <laughs> Got to do it. Um, you kind of touched on this a little while ago when you're talking about how the pandemic is affecting your team. And obviously, as you mentioned, it's a group of individuals and different people are kind of handling it differently. Do you feel like I mean, we're not out of the woods with this yet, but do you feel like the pandemic will have any permanent effect on Double Fine in the sense of will you have more remote <clears throat> hires or people working from home full time or that sort of thing? Do you do you anticipate the studio's culture or or practices changing in a, in a sort of long-term way? Um, I mean, I, I, you know, some of the practices that we've learned, like me streaming the game with the team, I think we'll start adding to the things that we just normally do. But I think we'll have more empathy for those remote workers we already have, because we've had a handful of people working around the country, you know, um, and, you know, we do our best to have them participate in meetings, but it's always been kind of like, well, yeah, they can, they can see the meeting on, you know, this, this Skype or something. And, um, 
And uh, now that we're all doing it, we're like, oh, that, that experience really was not optimal. And we you know, rearranged and made things more accommodating for, for remote work like we've all done. And um, so I think we'll all be a lot more empathetic to our remote, remote staff. But I don't, I don't know if we, we also learned the value of being together, too. So I don't yeah. know if we'd want to have more of that. Uh, by the way, bonus points that you you mentioned Skype, a Microsoft product, rather than Zoom or Google Hangouts. Yeah. <laughs> You're staying on brand there. Good job, Tim. I mean, that's what we pleased. used to talk to our, you know, <laughs> talk to people with um, before this all started. Uh, I guess to close out, back to Psychonauts too. I mean, I it's I'm super excited for it. I mean, it's a game. It, it, it goes back to the beginning of I you know I'm a barnacle on the side of the games media world at this point. I've been around for eighteen something years and. And I remember when Psychonauts was a hotly anticipated game for the original Xbox and exclusive for the original Xbox. And um, for for anybody that maybe hasn't played it, sell them on Psychonauts 2. What is because it is a unique, wonderful thing. I hope if, if it's anything like the first one, uh, give, give me the, the sales pitch on Psychonauts 2 and, and what what makes it unique and special. Yeah, it is a really special game because it's all set inside of people's minds, you know? So um, the ability to do uh, environmental storytelling and character development at the same time. So to explain it's it's because our main character is named Raz and he's a 10 year old acrobat, ran away from the circus to explore his psychic powers. So he's got all these physical moves he can do in the, and you can do in the game, all this platforming, swinging from trapezes and rocking on tight ropes and jumping around. But he also can levitate things and, and burn things with his mind and do all these crazy psychic powers. And he can jump inside of someone's head and see their mental world. So if someone in the first game, there was a painter who painted nothing but black velvet. And um, you go into his mind, and the whole world is made of black velvet. So we can explore a fantasy world, which just hasn't been done before, based on a person's personality. And um, in the new game, we can go into the heads of people like Ford Cruller, who was like one of the characters in the first game who you didn't get to go into his head. Um, and he always, he's a character who shows up in all these different aspects. Like he's a, uh, an admiral or a ranger or a janitor or a cook, you know, and in the new game, he's, he shows up and sometimes he's working in a bowling alley, sometimes he's cutting hair and you can go into his mind and see these different, different aspects of his personality and see like a, a whole world inside the, uh, um, uh, the, the, a shoe where it's filled with uh, germs from a bowling alley and things like that. So uh, there's just so much. The point is, there's just a lot of potential for it. Anything can happen in any one of these brains. And you have the physical platforming side, and then you also have uh, psychic powers. So you have a mix of action and adventure and platforming and a story, you know, very wow. like, you know, in depth, kind of emotional story on top of it all. I can't wait. Uh, Psychonauts 2, Double Fine. Happy 20th anniversary to Double Fine, thank Tim. You. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Glad glad you're uh, in the Microsoft family, going to be making games for Xbox for a long time. Uh, we will stay tuned for more on Psychonauts 2 into 2021, and hopefully at some point in 2021 we'll be playing the thing. Yeah. And uh, with that, that is the end of Podcast Unlocked for 2020. This was episode 475. We'll see you back for the year 2021 here in the first week of January. Uh, we're off next week, but we'll be back first week of January. Happy New Year, everybody. Boop.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.